0: 6. Morning, team. Nice to be company. Do you know, I got completely confused this morning. I thought it was Wednesday. I thought I've lost my marbles. I thought it was Wednesday. And then Sam Pittis said, no, it's Thursday. I went, that's fantastic. How cool is that? Where did Wednesday go? Anyway, nice to be company. Bill's back with you uh, tomorrow morning on LBC 97.3 interesting moustaches wasn't it my auntie Enid somebody could have phoned up and nominated her she's got a fairly bushy moustache at the moment bless her heart anyway nice to be company after the news at uh, 7 at uh, 7 what am I doing wishing, wishing the programme away at 5 we'll whisk through the morning papers and we take your texts and emails and loads of other things besides why because we love you Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Sorry about that. Computer decided to have one of those sort of I'm-not-going-to-do-it kind of moments. So it is nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. And it is today Bryn's birthday. I'm not sure if it's 76 or 77. It's the only person who gets two mentions on the show for his uh, birthday. So many, many happies. And um, enjoy your lovely day. And we've got uh, lots of love coming from the family a little bit later on this morning. Uh, Plus, of course... We do actually take all your texts and emails. Uh, Bryn says, uh, sorry, not Bryn, uh, Dawn. Actually, I mentioned this yesterday, strange enough, I'm sure, because you kept mentioning Tinchy Strider. He's doing a, a lakeside shopping centre at 5pm. That must have been yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure if I would ever, ever go and queue to get somebody's autograph. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I would ever do that. Actually, you know they were talking on uh, Bill's programme about the Fat Duck restaurant getting the perfect ten, which I thought was quite good. And it was, uh, Gordon Ramsay was only one point behind. And a friend of mine went to the Fat Duck, Heston Blumenthal's place, and, and had their... What do they call it? Is it a 24-course a or whatever it is? It's something like 160 quid, but with booze about 900. And it's the tasty menu where they do... Everything is tiny, so you get little tiny things, but you, you get a complete fusion, and apparently it's fantastic. Absolutely. She said it was great. She said, of course, but after you've consumed about your fifth bottle of wine, you don't really care anyway. So I think they racked up a bill of about £900. It was actually astronomical, but but fun at the same time. You know, if you can't have fun spending money, what is the point? I did take out the box yesterday, the Christmas bells, which I bought. I gave one, I kept one myself, gave one to my brother and one to Graham, and they've all taken them out of the box and they love them. I mean, absolutely love them. They've got the little tableau inside that moves around and the bells that play a tune. I mean, it is just glorious. Unfortunately, we didn't win over John Cushing yesterday with the uh, the Christmas... What do we call these things? Can't remember what we call them now. Candy canes. Because uh, because it was Christmas. This is the man who will not eat satsumas before December the 25th because they're Christmas. Which, it must be hell when he goes abroad, but there you go. And um, and attached to them are little jelly figures. I tell you, when I first saw these jelly figures, because I thought they were really good, go to the Disney store... And have a look at the jelly figures. They are re- They look like the characters, but they're made out of jelly with little icing sugar faces on Really good. I don't know who makes them, whether it's some machine or whether they're individually done, but their lollipops are very good. I'm not a big lollipop kind of person. But believe you me, the candy canes for Christmas, I deliberately put one on John's desk the other day, which had um, a jelly Father Christmas attached to it. (laughs) He subsequently tried to get rid of it on everybody else, so that was good. But at least least the message got through that Christmas is just around the corner. Merely weeks. Merely weeks, that's all I can tell you. Merely weeks away. And uh, talking of weeks away, Kerry Katona, they reckon, has blown a million pounds on her drink and drug fueled lifestyle. They said, since 2007... We're only 2009, aren't we? She's earned 1060000 Christ. I tell you, I wish I had a drug problem. I'd love to have earned a million pounds in a couple of years. Um, with contracts with firms like Iceland. And now uh, they say it's all gone. Well, my answer is good. Good. That's the reality check. Can she keep up the £4,000 a month repayments on her house? Hopefully not. Uh, will Brian get the children if he's putting in for it? I don't know. Probably not. They generally stay with the mother, don't they? Although, if, if they think it's a, a problem... Although, looking at pictures of her in the paper today, to be honest with you, you, this doesn't look to me like somebody who's got a cocaine problem. You know, she's smiling, she looks fairly happy. Whether or not it's posed, I've got no idea. But they reckon the ex-husband, Brian—pays uh, that's Brian, pays £2,100 a month. Where does he get 2100 He's not working, is he? Has he got a career somewhere else? Now they say she's going to be investigated... Uh, by the police. And also, Mark Croft, this is the man she's with at the moment, withdraws £250 a day from her company account up until July 2008. Where does that go? Where does that £250 a day. Crikey, it adds up a bit, doesn't it? That adds up a bit. Tony, good morning. Wednesday is just a revolution away. She I can't believe I thought it was Wednesday. I don't know why I thought it was Wednesday. It wasn't until Sam... P- Have they swapped the televisions around here, or is it my imagination? Does the television in the corner look smaller today? The one in my studio... Well, I know it's always been smaller than this. We've got two televisions in the studio. One is a huge television, and the other one is a somewhat smaller television. But it it just looks particularly tiny this morning. I'm having a breakdown. I think the glasses have got to go. I'm definitely looking at the wrong things. Definitely. I I think we'll have a coffee. They haven't done the machine yet, so I can't have my coffee. Although I have had a... um, sweet hey, sweet. That's going to send me round the bend later. A jelly Santa I had. Actually, I had two. Uh, please wish Dee a very happy birthday. That's uh, love, Dee. And many happies to Bryn. Fantastic. Actually, we, we love Bryn. But he doesn't know if he's 76 or 77. I think that's cool, isn't it? Because I can't remember now how old I'm supposed to be. I have to... Oh, yeah, I can't do times, either. I've got no idea what time it is. No idea what day it is. I need to book into the happy bide wee home for aged gentlefolk. You know, where Matron comes round and just throws sawdust on the floor. And it's a world of cold steel potties and everything being liquidised. I can't wait for those days. I can't wa- wait to start behaving disgracefully. I quite like that idea. A lot of elderly people go, oh, I'm going to behave disgracefully when I get older. It's a bit bit of the Victor Meldrew syndrome. And I can't wait. I think I've started doing it. Oh, Nathan Morley's going to be with us at uh, Half Park. He's off to Berlin, he says, staying at the same gaff as Michael Jackson dangled his baby from the window of. I'll tell you what I did this morning. They're now saying that Michael Jackson's going to be buried in the Grand Mausoleum at Forest Lawns. Now, if ever you go to Forest Lawns, the staff there will not tell you where people are buried. They are duty-bound not to tell you, whereas a lot of the other celebrities who are buried in cemeteries around Los Angeles and Hollywood and and, uh, California generally, they will happily point out this is where Bing Crosby's buried, this is where so-and-so's buried, and most of the graves are, are quite clearly marked. Because people like to go and see, I don't know why, but people like to go and see. And Michael Jackson, we're told, is going to be buried in the Grand Mausoleum. So I logged on to Google and had a look at the Grand Mausoleum. And it turns out people like Clark Gable are in there. It doesn't look that fancy. It, it's, it looks like a church. But quite clearly, there are these lockers in the walls into which case. Now, either they're buried down in a crypt and they put a plaque on the wall, because they're never going to get Michael Jackson's coffin in there. Because the whole idea about coffins is, well, in this country, when they bury them, is that they're buried at a certain depth because that's how hot it is. That's why, if you have a compost heap in the garden, the middle of it will be red hot. That's why you'll always find compost heaps, heaps I'm saying it now, in the, uh, in the countryside over winter, steaming. And that's because they're so hot. You could fry food in the middle of a compost heap. So imagine... If you've got a body in a coffin, which is breaking down, the heat underneath the ground is intense. And the coffin will break down, I think, in around about six months, something like that. And so then they have to come around and add more earth to the top because it all sinks down. Michael Jackson's coffin's not like that. Michael Jackson's coffin looks more like something you've buried Tutankhamun in. So when they were able to finally take off all the different layers of the coffins, you were able to see the remains of Tutankhamun, in the same way that Michael Jackson, in his coffin, because the coffin, I'm assuming, is made of metal. It looks like it's metal, or it's certainly bronzed or something like that. It's very nice, very shiny, but it's huge. And he'll be resting in there on, on cushions. So they had to lift him in, put him on the cushions. And I'm assuming that if they open it, not that they ever would, but just supposing in years to come they do, it's going to look exactly the same, just sort of... that He was embalmed. I don't know what they were doing. You have no idea. I thought it was quite common in America to embalm people. That's what I thought they, they did. So, you know, if they sort of dig you up years later, they can have a good look at you. Interesting. We're talking about animal-loving Brits? Question mark. With Nathan, just after half past. Goes on all the time, doesn't it? Um, also, an injured Royal Marine, appealing for a greater payout over his injuries, said so that Prince Harry is backing him. Which is good. Uh, ben McBean, who lost his left arm and right leg... Only got two hundred eighty-one thousand. Now you might go two hundred eighty-one thousand just for that. I defy anybody to accept two hundred eighty-one thousand in return. We'll chop off your leg and your arm. Okay? You spend the rest of your life. He wants it increased to five hundred and seventy-one thousand, which I think is more. Even a million. If you offered somebody a million, I tell you what, I'll give you a million, and you're going to have uh, we we'll, would we'll take both your legs, both your arms, and you go for what a million quid? Oh, it's stupid, and that's what we offer. But this way, you actually get more money now if you've abused a child and then you sort of claim money back off the government and then you sue people left, right and centre. It's what we, we've, we've turned into. We've turned into a nation of people who somebody says something about you, ooh, give me money. And that, that kind of solves it all now. Money seems to solve it. I don't know why. But that's why people, people are horrible. I mean, people are so vile nowadays. There's a girl of seven. Her name uh, is Aisha Bibby. And her mother, Rabina, was stabbed to death in front of her. So Aisha, who is seven, called 999. She knew to call 999 at seven. I don't know how many other seven-year-olds know to call 999, but this one did. And um, her mum was stabbed to death by her ex-boyfriend, who's an asylum seeker, who'd been out with her briefly because she's split from her husband. And there's a picture of him. He was in court the other day, and he just... These are... I mean... Christ me! I can't think of words to describe it. Why is it that we see so many people who apply for... I mean, I'm sure that there are genuine asylum seekers. There must be loads of them who contribute to the country. And then there's the scum who just come here and bring their perverted, tortured and disgusting habits here. You know, we, we've seen it with the, uh, with the people shoplifting. We've seen it with the people who pickpocket. We've seen it with the people who... And it was only raised this morning, strangely, by Michael upstairs, who said that when he was coming out this morning on his scooter... He's got a scooter or whatever, I don't know whatever it is. But coming up the road, the wrong way, down a one-way street, were two people on a moped. It's only because he saw them, because this light shone in his face. And it wasn't till afterwards he thought, wait a minute, two people on a moped at that time of the morning, what are they doing? They're nicking mopeds. That's why you've got two. It would be quite a simple matter. No point in nicking one from somebody's garden or from outside the road, because you've got to get the keys for it. But if you've actually, you know, got two of you, you just run somebody over... And then the person on the back of your one runs over and takes the other person's. I mean, it could happen. It could, it could happen and it could be, you know, it could be one of those sort of things that you've got to be careful of. Let's just say be careful of. Uh, especially in the early hours of the morning because it does get a bit bad. I mean, the amount of drunks you get all over the place, it's terrible. You know, you've only got to walk through Leicester Square and there's people pouring out of clubs and people being sick and everything. And you think, oh, dear. I'm sure they don't work. They can't do, because otherwise they must be really, really tired. But the good news is that the police have arrested two people in connection with that biggest ever robbery at Graffs. They've worked fast, haven't they, on this one? Worked very fast. Quarter past five is the time. These are the headlines. People in Afghanistan are going to the polls to elect a new president. Up to 17 million Afghans are registered to vote. Many are expected to be scared to turn out after warnings of violent reprisals from the Taliban. Two people have been arrested in connection with Britain's biggest ever jewellery robbery in Mayfair. Thousands of A-level students will collect their results later, but the chance of getting a university place has dropped after a rise in applications. And the Lockerbie bomber will learn later whether he'll be released to return to Libya. Give a check on the State of the Roads for you this morning. With all the information at his fingertip, it's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Uh, it- Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's eighteen minutes past five. It's Thursday. Finally got that in. And uh, poor old Vic Beckham turns up again with another huge handbag. It makes you ask the question: How many handbags does a woman need? And the answer is low. She's got the very expensive one. What she keeps in there, I've got no idea. But uh, she turned up yesterday. All uh, she does fly backwards and forwards. She went through Heathrow in scarily tight leggings and a rather ridiculous hat which has got a zip on the front of it. I mean, there are certain things that you can wear that you look good in. She just looks embarrassed when she has to wear some of this stuff. Because <laughs> I've never seen anybody wearing it. Uh, Brit, Britney Spears, we saw, atop a desk on the television as we came down. She wants to be president, wearing a two-piece cosy and a flower in her hair. Girl in the paper today, who is the happy story, is Lucy Yates. She was in the middle of a busy supermarket, and a man approached her and stabbed her while she was queuing 27 times. I said, there's all these people out there, and uh, they're just not there. The man who stabbed that, that woman to death, the asylum seeker, said, I don't know what happened, something just went mad. Inside you think, I couldn't stab anybody to death. I mean, I don't understand where they're coming from. But this girl felt the knife go in 27 times. 27 times. But anyway, she's, uh, she's going to get married. Which is good news. She was in hospital, and uh, she's come through at the other side, so good for her. I tell you, it just, it just kind of makes you worry, doesn't it? Every time you open up the papers, there's always something in there, and you think, why can't you just sort of see these people coming up? You know, you do see them. We've got a few around our way who look a bit barking mad, I'm afraid. And you think to yourself, oh, I don't know. Isn't there any care in the community now? Uh, Steve, did I hear right? Says Philip. The two fraudsters in Brazil are only getting community service, and they're appealing. What do they want? A jail sentence? Yes, they've been given community service, apparently. Now, whether or not they get community service over there, whether they have to do it here, uh, they've admitted their crime, but we always said they were fraudsters, and, um, and now they're getting community service. Had, of course, this not reached the papers, I suspect the Brazilian government would have been a lot harder on them, because these people do it all the time, no matter how much the parents bleat on about, oh, it was a misunderstanding. Yes, it was a misunderstanding when they got caught, because if they'd not got caught, then they would have got away with it. And our insurance premiums would go through the roof because of people like that and subsequent people and people before them who all decide to cheat the system. So when they come back to what is going to be more annoying is they're going to come back to the country and one of the newspapers will buy their story. That's even more sickening, isn't it? Dee says, I'm 39. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> <sighs> Shirley that Brown has applied for custody. No, he hasn't. No, he definitely hasn't. Not yet. Definitely not yet. Might do later, but uh, up until now, he has not. And as I say, he probably wouldn't get custody anyway. You know, he's in Australia, and uh, he's with Delta, and she's over in holiday mood, which is good. Uh, Linford Christie is going to go into the Strictly Come Dancing. They must run out of things to sort of do, mustn't they, after a while? They say here, sportsmen have always excelled at Strictly, with Mark Ramprakash and Darren Goff both winning the show. Matt Dawson and Delise Lewis were runners-up, so we expect Linford to be a contender. So, um... They say he could be joined by actress Ali Bastian. OK, anybody on that one? Ali Bastian, actress. No, sorry, love, never heard of you. Apparently, she plays PC Sally Armstrong on The Bill. No, no idea. Sorry about that one. No idea. We must be desperate here. They also say Linda Bellingham, Ricky Groves, who's in EastEnders... And uh, Ronnie Woods, ex-wife Jo, have also been tipped to line up for the seventh series. Well, there's no Arlene Phillips, which we're not happy about at all, I'm afraid. Not happy about that. Uh, There's also the Sony PlayStation 3 games console. Looks neat. Looks neat. The high-tech giant have slashed 50 quid off the price to help those affected by the credit crunch. To be honest with you... I don't think it's to be affected by the credit crunch. I think it's because they want to shift a load of them. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Even Stuart McConey writing in the Mirror today. He's comedian, comedian, as you know. And he's talking about Sarah Ferguson. Actually, I heard some great gossip about Sarah Ferguson the other day, but I can't repeat it, because it was just that. It was gossip. But uh, everybody's saying exactly the same thing. We don't want another patronising documentary from this woman, telling us how to live our lives and thinking she knows how to do it. She doesn't. She's got no idea. She couldn't even keep her own marriage together, for goodness sake. So I don't want her going round, telling people who live on sink estates exactly how to run their lives. This week, Manchester, sorting out social division, community breakdown, drug addiction, yet all the no-brainers. And the people on this estate have gone, we're not interesting. She doles out advice, and yet she's got no knowledge of this whatsoever. She has, you know, she's not the sort of person who should be giving out advice. She really shouldn't. It's as simple as that, we do, you know, and yet people treat her with kid gloves. The thing she was good at, because it really showed her at her best, was when she did It's a Royal Knockout, and that was about the level, I think, that she should stick at. Stop trying to be Diana, you will never be Diana, the public will never take to you. It's never going to happen at all. If you ask people, you know, to choose between Diana and Sarah Ferguson, it was a runaway contest. Diana way out in front. Uh, Cara Toynton and Joe Swash out on the streets the other day. He never looks like he's got any clothes or hair. And she always looks like she's made up for a photo shoot. Shoot. So they were out the other day, and uh, she's just filmed her last scenes as Dawn. To be honest with you, I, I don't know which character she is. I've looked at her in the paper, and I think I recognise her. There's a story in the paper, I have to do this one, because you do worry about suing. How would... Just imagine, there's a police sergeant, OK? She's suing the force because she wanted to get a job training dogs. But... Because she's got this illness where she can only whisper, they wouldn't give it to her. And they said, look, if you're going to train dogs, you're, come here, come here. Well, she can't do that. She can only whisper. Come here. Come here. Well, the dog's not going to hear it. So consequently, because she didn't get the job, she's suing the force. And you think, that's a bit like somebody blind going for a job driving a bus. And they go, I'm terribly, really, you know, love to give you the job, really would love to, loving your work, loving everything about you, but just don't want you driving a bus. And they go, well, I'm suing you. It's discrimination. It's exactly the same sort of thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a mute radio presenter? And then you get, what do you mean you're not going to give me the job? You wouldn't hear that bit. I'd have to write it down. You know, because, just because I'm mute doesn't stop me. I can, I can demonstrate. We I had somebody once, I worked on a radio station many, many, many years ago, and somebody wrote in, they sent in an audition tape, and on the audition tape was a load of music, but no, no DJ commentary. There was no this is, that was, here we go, and it's down 16 in number 32. There was none of that kind of rubbish at all. It was just music. So my boss wrote back to him and said, I don't know if you've sent us the wrong tape, but there's just music. He said, yeah, he said, I'm, I mix. And he thought that was going to get him a job on the radio. And they went, no, you've got to speak. Got to speak. So, you know, when you see this story here about this woman, um, it just seems ridiculous. I mean, she can't she can't communicate, phone or shout or do anything. And yet she's then suing the force and you begin to wonder whether or not people deliberately look for things in this day and age. For so example, I sort of, you know, if I miss the bus because I can't run to get it as it comes around the corner, should I then sue the bus company? Because they should have seen me running and they should have stopped You know, because I I tried to put my arm out, but because my arm's quite weak, I can't put my arm out. And they should have anticipated that. I should better sue them for that. Don't you think? Because everybody else is suing, aren't they? I mean, at the moment, I'm thinking of suing this, this company. It's too warm in here. And and it affects my diabetes. So it's, it's, you know, it's just balmy, isn't it? It's just marb. It's just, the kind time I open up the newspaper, there's always somebody in there. And all it is, I want money. Remember that woman who wanted to sue the Tate Gallery? Because I think she had Crohn's, but the temperature was too cold, I think, in there, and so she sued them, and she lost, and they said, no, they made every reasonable, you know, every twist and turn they tried to accommodate her, they just couldn't, and some people, as opposed to somebody just saying, I'm sorry, you know, sorry about that, nowadays, it's, I want money, people trip over a paving slab out of the pavement, you know, as opposed to just picking themselves, I mean, I tripped over the stairs the other day, I went upstairs, and I tripped over a stair, and I, oh my god, I knew I've, and I, I dropped my plums... I crushed my grapes. It was my grapes I fell on. I was very upset. And, um, it well, turned out to be all right. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, how stupid. Now, is that the stairs' fault, or is it my fault? And the answer is, it's my fault. You know, if I get run over by a bus, driven by the blind person, that's probably my fault as well. In fact, it's all my fault. It's a lot easier just to, uh, just to sort of give up and go, listen, it was my fault. But years ago, it was just a simple, I'm sorry. Now, it's again, I want money. And there are lawyers out there who will go out and they will take people to court. I thought I told you about my accident. I thought my insurance premium was going to go through the roof. Luckily, it didn't. I was quite surprised. It's, in fact, it's gone down a little bit. Has it gone down? No, £690 for the year. Which I thought was quite reasonable. Although the good news is, the good news is that my car's ready to collect this afternoon. Mainly because word filtered back. To Peter that I'd complain there was no air conditioning in it because there isn't any well I haven't, I've i have had a car from them before and I'm sure it had you pushed a little button and it went icy cold but and this one you push it doesn't do anything at all you just get air out I had to have the windows open coming down the motorway and it's not quite the same because it ruined my hair you know it's nothing worse you get in the car you've got a particular style you open the windows and whoosh you've got that wind-swept. I'm in Saint Tropez in an open top sports car look which to be honest with you on my head isn't attractive minimum term. Exclusions and conditions apply. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC ninety-seven point three. At the time now, this Thursday morning, it's five thirty. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Rain in the home counties today. Are we in the home counties? Where's where's the home counties? I don't know where. Is that us? We're in, twi- oh, in London, it says here, most of London will stay dry. I could do with some rain today. I was watering everything yesterday. It'd be nice if we got some... Uh... Did I water everything? Oh, blimey, I forgot to do something. I forgot to do somebody's baskets. <laughs> anyway, nice to be company. Thursday morning in London town. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Joanne says, Britney Spears is not running for president or isn't interested in saying, the pictures you saw of her was from a comedy routine on the Dave Letterman TV show. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, well, you've ruined it now. We're really looking forward to that. You've just ruined it. The Dave, I didn't know Dave Letterman was still going. Good God, they do keep going forever in America, don't they? And let's uh, uh, apparently Sony are only dropping the price because a new slimline PS3 will come out in October. Ooh, Steve, did both of your hairs get blown out of place? Very, very hurtful with the car windows down. And Laura in Croydon says you can't run, Steve. This is shock news. I thought you could do everything. It is true, actually. Uh, and judging by the standard of driving around London, says Steve, I think most of the bus drivers are blind. <laughs> Actually, sometimes. It's quite frightening, isn't it? The speed they go. They, they bomb along. I sit, when they go around, I'm clinging on. It's like being on a ride on the funfair. There was a man on Deal or No Deal, uh, rejected 41,000, ended up leaving with a pound, says Ben. Can't believe people are so greedy. That's what makes the programme fun. I don't know if they get that in Cyprus. Do you get Deal or No Deal in Cyprus, Nathan?
1: Uh no, no we don't. We get uh, morning farming reports. That's about as exciting as local T V gets, I'm afraid. It's terrible because uh, they,
0: they have you have seen it, haven't you?
1: I have indeed. I think it's quite a good show. Yeah. yeah.
0: I do like it. But yesterday they had this guy on there and um he was offered forty one thousand pounds. Yes. And he turned it down.
1: And and, and will probably spend the next week not sleeping. But but uh... that's
0: more money than most people would see in five years. 41,000 cash, tax-free. And they turn it down because Uh... there was a chance of winning 100,000.
1: It's greed manifests itself, yeah.
0: It's horrid, really, isn't it?
1: You just mentioned David Letterman. He he is still going. This is one show which is beamed into Cyprus. I I was in New York a few years back and I actually went to a recording of the David Letterman show and it must I must have just picked a bad day because the the singing star in the evening cuz he usually has a singing star on was Moby and that was just do you know this Moby yeah 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 and very talented it, Do you think so? Yeah. Uh, I wish I'd given you my ticket.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh,
1: man. The the star in the studio was Ewan McGregor, um, and uh, I had no idea who he was, because he was promoting, I don't know, Star Wars or something. I mean, Star Wars just passed me by, I'm afraid. (laughs) Uh, So all in all, I was sitting there in the the Ed Sullivan theatre watching letterman do his stuff thinking i would rather be somewhere else (laughs) but you can't leave you see once you're in they don't let you out
0: yes i know it's like a lot of Uh, other programs i didn't realize when i remember seeing years and years ago the generation game
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, and i went to
0: the bbc um theater at shepherd's bush and i think it was with larry grayson and it's Uh. i think on television it's an hour program to record it was about two and a half hours
1: Yeah, they do loads back-to-back, don't they?
0: No, no, it's just the one show. What they have to do, though, at the end when they do their little playlet, it's all Mm. done on the same stage, they've got to set that up. When they do the conveyor belt, Mm. they have to set the conveyor belt up, then they have to put the prizes on, somebody cranks the conveyor belt round, then at the end you have to watch it back to make sure they got all the prizes they could remember. And they then film three different endings, depending on how it's running for time. (laughs) At the end of it, I think my bum had gone to sleep.
1: Oh, no, I don't think I could do two and a half hours. Uh, I, funnily enough, uh, that you know, there is something about being confined in the play. That's why I'm not very good at the theatre either. Mm. But at least at the theatre you can leave, you can go. But the Americans are very serious about that sort of thing, aren't they? Especially in a TV studio. Oh, God, I yes. thought to myself, why don't you just let me out? Because you know, I'm sure old people would want to hobble out after well, a while.
0: You have to <laughs> say, "Excuse me, I'm diabetic. Uh, and I need to go to the toilet."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I. I uh, I have to say though I've never been able to listen to Moby again. Oh, I, don't, I, don't really? it's,
0: I don't know if he's still going, is he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really? Oh, oh I, I love Sipper. Moby. I thought the music was great. Did
1: you really? Yeah. Oh, it's nice you. to know he has a fan. That's nice. Loads to know. of
0: us. <laughs> 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 oh well, there you go. <laughs> listen, we're going to talk about animals this week.
1: Ah, uh, that'll make a change. It'll be that a change. will make a we, change. We, we know you
0: like to <laughs> talk about animals. More and more Brit expats are dumping their dogs and cats as the credit crunch continues. They don't eat that much, do they, for God's sake? <laughs> How can uh, they be dumping their animals?
1: Ah, uh, you see, this is this is the new twist in the... You see, Cyprus gets a very bad rap when it comes to animal welfare, and mm. rightly so, because animal welfare here is pretty dire. You know, you're, you're, you won't be hard-pressed to find dogs, starving dogs on the street, or uh, feral cats everywhere, and you know, many of them are subject to to abuse. Uh, however, there is a new trend with the credit crunch. Lots of Brits, you know, who came out of he- here to Cyprus to start a new life after watching one of those dodgy programs, are going home again because they can't afford it anymore with a weak sterling and the strong euro and the prospect of unemployment and the price of fags going up. and <laughs> So they're going home, but they're more interested in shipping their flat-screen TVs back than they are their dogs. Yeah. And this is Brits, you know, Uh, and it's been shocking some of the cases of animal loving Brits. One last uh, month, whole family, Steve, packed up, had their furniture sent home and left their dog in the apartment under lock and key. Oh, Another, another one tied it to the garden gate with a packet of biscuits. Uh, You know, this kind of thing, these are are the Brits, and we're getting so many stories about this at the newspaper at the moment where I work, that uh, it's quite shocking, really, to think that, you know, we've come here and so many Brits are are happy to preach to the locals about animal welfare, and now we're seeing this new trend, and it's fairly horrifying, I have to be honest with you, especially the other day I went to see a dog. This wasn't involved with the British case, but who had been tied by the local council dog catcher to the back of a pickup truck and dragged through a street Why? for two kilometers. Well, the, one, you have to ask yourself why. Why would you do that? This I mean, poor was, dog. There's any went,
0: logical reason.
1: I can't answer that. Uh, I went to see the dog who uh, was um, one of these Irish um, uh, hound mm. hounds, beautiful dog, uh, recovering well. Obviously, he's battered black and blue and uh, grazed everywhere and had... Uh, you know, a fairly traumatic time. There's no charges being pressed against this man because there's an air of silence, <laughs> because nobody wants to testify against him. Because he's a, you know, it's a small community, and uh, this this is the kind of the problems animal welfare organisations face here. It, it's still acceptable to to uh, to do this kind of thing. You know, to poison animals, to shoot animals. Uh, That's it is unbelievable. I, I you know, the, there isn't a day go by when I, when I, I'm not, you know, scratching my head, wondering when this will come to an end. But uh, uh, the, the, the cases seem to be this year certainly g- getting worse, and and it, it is heartbreaking. I know people who come here to live here, who just cannot stand the, 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 the way animals are treated and go back again. You know. Did we not uh, have bom- this
0: a while ago in um, China, where they have a zoo where every day feeding time for the tigers is to put a live donkey in? <sighs> and they put a live donkey into the pen and then they just wait for it to be ripped to pieces.
1: Well, that's just barbaric, but it doesn't surprise me. I've heard, you know, uh, stories about. The well, the. well, I saw something, I think it was on one of the British channels, Sky, about the, the, the trade in cats. Yeah. The trade in cat fur.
0: To make uh, coats. They have
1: people stealing cats. Yes. Uh, penning them up, there are, there are warehouses full of cats, you mm. know, but, uh, little crates, maybe 10, 15 cats in the size of a cardboard box. They just pull them out and skin them alive.
0: Yes, yes. Madness. Well, they Madness. eat cat in China. They have uh, cat and restaurants dogs. and and yeah. I think, I think and more dogs. more cat over there and they eat other things. But they, had, they, they, they took you to a cat restaurant where outside but... in all these cages were cats and you picked out the one you liked the look of. And the next thing, the little thing, was dumped in boiling hot oil and water. While oh, it was don't alive. Don't. And you, and you <clears> just... It, I mean, th- yesterday in the paper, we had a story about... They, the police were seeking two young lads, young lads, who had um, who had goaded their pit bull or staff or whatever it was into attacking and ripping to shreds a cat. And lads, you can't believe the mentality of these people.
1: Uh, that, well, they need locking up. Well, they do, they they, need do, locking I don't think that up.
0: would serve any useful purpose at all. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, they're just they're immensely sick people. They're sick. We've had what? people tying you know, little hamsters and things to rockets on, gunf- on bonfire night and setting them off.
1: Thank God Britain has the RSPCA, because the RSPCA are a remarkable organisation, and they, you know, they have teeth, they can go and find th- these scumbags, they can prosecute them, uh, and, uh, you know, I just hope that they, they get more and more uh, power within the courts as well, because I know that uh, recently the RSPCA have had some problems following up cases. Mm. People s- are starting to take it more seriously in Britain. You know, tying a hamster to a firework mm. or uh, having a cat ripped to pieces, this kind of thing which happens here, sadly, and we don't have an organisation like that who will pr- We've never had a criminal prosecution about uh, animal cruelty, do you
0: know that? Doesn't Whereas surprise, it happens me. every day. Yeah. It's it doesn't madness. surprise me i just I just feel immensely sorry for the people who sort of perpetrate these crimes because you think at some point somebody's going to do something horrible to you, and I hope you suffer badly with it
1: It would be me who would did something horrible to them yes. i mean if if I came across that kind of person I'm not you know I would oh. uh, uh p- but probably show show, show, show my darker side yes there is nothing worse than animal cruelty it and yet we're
0: supposed just... to be are we not well we are here in Britain they keep saying a nation of animal lovers tell that to that it 's a load of old it's rubbish. A...
1: It's rubbish. This is it's like the this British myth that that you have the best sense of humour in the world. Yeah. It's only the Brits who think.
0: Yes, nobody else thinks.
1: <laughs> yeah. so. you, you just, you know, the Brits are, oh, we are the Brits and we have the best sense of humor in the world. We love to kind of joke about ourselves. What, nobody else does? No. Uh, is it something unique to Britain? Come on. You know, it's mad. You know the Finns are the funniest people in the world.
0: They certainly are, honestly. <laughs> Had me doubled up in laughter. Every time I see a Finnish person, I'm just going, ha! Ah! <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what, I read the other day, because you know they've got the elections in Afghanistan at the moment. Indeed, I do, yeah. And in an effort to intimidate women over there, they've now brought in a ruling, uh, a Sharia ruling, or Sharia, or whatever way you want to pronounce it, Mm -hmm. that if a woman does not have sex with her husband, he is entitled to starve her. (laughs) So they've been through... And they've said, this is, uh, is exactly what's going to be happening. If you withhold your conjugal rights, your husband is now entitled to starve you to death. And uh, people uh, have been saying, which version of the Koran are you reading? Because nowhere does it say that in the Koran, anywhere, any way, shape or form. And people are so intimidated over in, in Afghanistan at the moment, they're prepared to buy into any old garbage.
1: I don't know, that kind of thing doesn't, uh, d- doesn't surprise me. But w- can you imagine the... The frame of man, uh, mind of a man who would starve his wife.
0: Yeah. Can oh, you imagine that? Well, it then just becomes... Well, I mean, I've, we've seen so many horrendous things that happen in Afghanistan, I wouldn't want to live there if you paid me. Oh,
1: good God, no. I this can't is think the of anything time...
0: worse. a backward society where women are second-class citizens and uh, have to trail behind their men. I can't think of anything worse.
1: Well, they just sent a regiment, a British regiment there from here a few days ago, because as you know, we have British forces in Cyprus, yeah. and uh, I saw some of the families um, of, of these soldiers the other day, they only, they got a two, I think a 24-hour call-up. Yes. Uh, they they knew they were on a short list, and they may have to go, but the thing with Br- the British Army, who, who are doing you know, stirring work, I mean, they're understaffed, underpaid, and, you know, spread out all over the world, doing these dire jobs, uh, you know, with a Bandit government back in London not taking care of them, sending them shoddy material, no helicopters. And, and, and these, these poor guys with their families and kids, uh, being sent, I, I my heart goes out to them, you know. Mm. I think, uh, especially you stick them into a hell hole like Helmand province. I mean, can you imagine being on a, a plane boarded heading there? No. <laughs> <Can> Nobody would <when laughs> you plug your hair
0: dryer in. No Martin no Spencer's. No Sky nothing. Sport. No Sky Sport. <laughs> I just wouldn't want to go there full stop. I can't imagine why anybody would ever want to do anything like that. But sadly, I'm going to we Berlin to go. anyway. Yes, so, i gather. Uh,
1: yeah, so that's okay. Well, have, have a nice no time. There is certainly no Taliban there. Thank no,
0: you. <laughs> no, no hanging Mr. Charles, Mr. Chaz, out the window.
1: No, no, don't worry about that. Michael Jackson stayed in the room about three three blocks higher than I did.
0: Fantastic. You'll have to get them to show you the room. That I would love to see.
1: I think I might ask the manager to show me the room. Go on, try it. (laughs)
0: Tell him you're doing it for a British radio station.
1: I will.
2: All right, we'll talk to
0: you next week. Thank you. Have a lovely week yourself. All right, kiddo. Bye. Nathan Morley, our man in Cyprus. We wonder where Paul Savory is, he's exhausted at the moment, and we think he's taken a small holiday. (laughs) These are the headlines. Two men have been arrested by detectives investigating Britain's biggest jewellery robbery in Mayfair. People in Afghanistan are going to the polls to elect a new president amid fears that threatened Taliban attacks will make voters stay at home. More than a quarter of a million teenagers receive their A-level results, but many face a struggle to get a place at university. And the victims of the Marchioness disaster are being remembered on the 20th anniversary of the tragedy. Have a check on the State of the Roads. Hugh broom for you this morning. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Uh, Back the 97.3. Witty! Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you could do a, do a thing, couldn't you? Down with the kids. Witty! On your radio at 10 o'clock this morning. Witty! Witty for Pope. Witty for Prime Minister. Fantastic. In, uh, if you get an email on your computer this morning, uh, reporting to be, or purporting to be, from uh, HM Revenue and Customs, it's a fraudster. As you know... These people never write to you at home. It's like banks never write to you. They never ask for any details. They're fraudsters trying to obtain your details. Don't ever give out passwords, bank account details, nothing like that. They look terribly official, and there are fraudsters all over the world who are sitting there thinking, right, let's send it. They don't know who you are. They've got no idea. That's why they can't come up with your name half the time. They're just like, dear customer, it's come to our attention that you are, in fact, owed £327.54 tax refund. And because it's not something stupid... Like the Nigerian scams, which were, you know, please help me, I've got twenty-five million pounds secreted away because I'm a crook, and uh, and I'd love to give you a share of it. It's not one of those ones. They make it believable. Three hundred and twenty-seven pounds fifty-four, which actually is actually it's it's actually quite good. It knocks out all the numbers except the six. And so they put it in there, and that makes you think, oh, that could be genuine, 300. So you you fill in the form, and of course all they want are your bank details, because they're going to take them. And unfortunately, a lot of people fall for this, because you can't believe it, can you, in this day and age, that people fall for this pile of rubbish. But they do. In other words, don't also be fooled by uh, Duncan Bannatyne. Duncan Bannatyne is a Brit of a hypocrite. He's making a t- these people who appear on Dragons Den apparently they're all desperate to be famous. One's doing an advert, one's doing something else, and he's now making a TV series called The Great British Holiday Show, where he urges families to take a break in the UK. Unfortunately, of course, Duncan Bannatyne, the moment he's finished, he flies back to his villa on the Cote d'Azur. He does not do British holidays. Oh, my God, it's working. I'm oh, sorry, indigestion kicked in. Uh, cuddling two former winners of Mister East Anglia. God, blimey. Uh, Duncan says, I'm here to get the word out of what a fantastic place Felix Felixstowe is. People should holiday here instead of going abroad. The moment he finishes filming, he's off to the Côte d'Azur. Last month, he wrote on his blog, uh, France Today, yippee! There you go. You remember Duncan Bannatyne, don't you? His uh, concern for tourist bank balance might seem a bit rich after the Mirror exposed him as the centre of a credit c- crunch rip-off earlier this year. His chain of fitness clubs were caught charging for complimentary cereal bars. <laughs> but that's the same, isn't it? I mean, don't seriously believe that all the celebrities you see on the television advertising a particular product actually use it, do you? You don't really think that. No, of course you don't. I didn't think so. I have d- investigated yesterday. Remember we told you about the cruelty and the circus? This is the Great British Circus. And um, a keeper was filmed hitting the elephants. And I checked, because I've had a few copies of, what's it called? Tentpole, Kingpole, the magazine for circus folk. Uh, beautiful magazine it is too beautiful magazine I mean absolutely really beautiful and it's got all the history of circuses and everything else and I checked out the Great British Circus and when they were reviewed only a couple of years ago they didn't have elephants so I then thought this must be a new act anyway uh, the Animal Defenders International uh, Organisation said the film showed why the government should ban circuses from using wild animals now I have to tell you because I have checked this one out, because I would be equally incensed. But uh, they say here, the use of animals in circuses cannot be justified. Well, it can in the case of this, because these animals only spend a very short while travelling. The Great British Circus, which has two Asian elephants and two Africans, says the keeper who hit the animals was sacked on the spot. Simple as that. They don't mess around with it. But they say that they only spend about three hours a fortnight in their transporters. The rest of the time, roomy accommodation, stables, tent and a paddock. And I know, because I've been down and seen it, so I know exactly what they're like. Because people get, get very funny about mistreating of, uh, of animals. It's not very nice. In fact, it's really not very nice. And we don't, uh, we don't in any way, shape or form, want to patronise anywhere that mistreats its animals. Although somebody always told me that, you know, an animal won't do anything if it doesn't want to, especially not elephants. Uh, Steve, I've got a dilemma, says Catherine. Do I take a managing agent to run the block of flats I live in, or do I manage it myself? I've just bought the freehold, mainly to get rid of appalling managing agents. Are there decent... M-? You've been, you live in a block of flats, and you've been allowed to buy the freehold? How does that work? How does that work? If you live in a block of... Fl- I didn't think you could live in a block of flats, and one person could buy the freehold. It has to be offered to everybody. And you've only got to have, in a block of flats, provided there's not shops underneath, you've only got to have, I think, about two-thirds of people in there, and the rest can be forced to buy. it. I didn't think one person who lived there could buy it. I didn't think it worked like that. But anyway, um, I would always get a managing agent in, because if you get people who um, who don't pay, then uh, it's such a hassle to do it. A managing agent takes all the things. I mean, some are good, some are bad. Most of the ones we've had before have been dreadful, but the one we've got at the moment, we've had for a few years, are actually quite good, but they've got lots of other properties. And they look up. We've had one one time. And at the end of it, after we decided to get rid of them, we said, well, can we have our money back? And they went, there isn't any money. We said, no, we should have about £9,000, £10,000. Where is it? Uh, Well, it's been swallowed up by this and this, and we had to do this and that. I thought I wouldn't trust you ever again. Sadly, they're still operating in the Twickenham area. So not a lot you can do about that. Um, uh, Britney Spears is getting married again, says Becky. Really? Good Lord. Um, Another one here. Is it true Ronnie Biggs is in Dancing on Ice? Now, that would be funny, actually. That would be quite funny. Ronnie Biggs... Of course, that would be hilarious, actually. The more you think about it, the funnier it would be. Shirley says the new pa- newspaper article about Brian McFadden. Now, I've said before, Shirley, and I'll only tell you once, you don't believe everything you read in the newspapers, OK? They put stuff in there. It's like, for example, on the front of the Daily Star this morning... In an effort to wind up Jordan, and following up from their story yesterday about Peter Andre going into the jungle, Jordan declares jungle war, saying, I'm the celebrity, put me back in the show. Now, of course, it's all made up. It's totally made up. He's not going back in the jungle. She's not going back in the jungle. It's going to be another bunch of old third-rate Z-listers. However, inside... Wait for this, but you'll laugh... You'll laugh at this one. Dishy Big Brother star, Shilpa Shetty is to pay tribute to Jade Goody by launching her own brand of poppadoms. Now, <laughs> the more you read on it, they say here she's set to announce her own range of ready-made healthy curries and side dishes. Oh, God, there's there's no end to it. And apparently they're going to be uh, top of the uh, top of the pops here. Will be uh, Jade will be having a little chuckle in heaven about the poppadoms. I don't think so. Because <laughs> she's called a Shilpa popadom or whatever. Do you remember that one? But, um, anyway, the crispy appetiser will be top of the menu. She's going to be doing chicken curry, which divided the house with accusations of undercooked meat and excessive use of onions. That's going to be included as well. Apparently she's very busy, Shilpa Shetty. Hmm, so busy. I wouldn't want to buy any curries from Shilpa Shetty, really. And it's just adding a name to it. But, I mean, Frank, would you want to buy into something like that? Probably not. She says, one day I just thought, why don't I create my own range of curries? Why don't it just go away? Do us all a favour. Uh, Philip Schofield has begun a new internet has begun a new internet trend: drunken tweeting. He apparently got a little bit uh, drunk the other day and tweeted, and, and put down the fact he was a little bit drunk, which was quite funny. Oh, and here's, uh, oh here she is again, Jordan. Now, oh, she's got somebody else's hair wet on her head, and here she is with um with her cage fighter. He's quite old, you know. He really is quite old. But uh, she was out there. She went to Thorpe Park be taken off the list of Steve Allen places to go, I suspect. (laughs) Oh, dear. Kerry Katona, inconsolable yesterday, over fears her holiday with her children could be her last. Rubbish, isn't it? load of old rubbish. And by the way, don't have candles at work. Sorry, not not at work, at home for dinner. Don't have candles, because apparently some candles made from paraffin wax, one of the most common types used in fragrance and ambience candles, are a source of indoor air pollution. Apparently, they say, could cause lung cancer and asthma. Oh, mean there's nothing you can do nowadays. Absolutely, is it amazing? Don't drink this, don't drink that, too much of that's bad for you. Don't have that, don't have fried food. I mean, yesterday, I did a little drive down, and I, I went to get a couple of sandwiches to take with me. Well, actually, I bought some wraps, because they're quite light, but they terribly expensive. Wraps in Marks and Spencer. I mean, really, really expensive. And I did buy, don't ask me why, I bought two cream cakes... Now, I'm not supposed to have cream cakes, so I eat the... I, I hadn't even got onto the motorway, and I've eaten the wraps, <laughs> and I've got my water. And so I'm looking at these cream cakes, and oh, don't, I don't straight them. And anyway, I didn't... I was very good. I mean, unfortunately, I was weak when I bought them, but I was strong when I threw them away. I came back home, and I threw them away. I know. I, thought, I, I looked at them, they were cream donuts, and they just looked yummy. And I thought, if I have these, I'll be very, very naughty. So I, I bought them, and oh, they weren't that expensive drove them all the way down the motorway and drove them all the way back again, and then went, nope, you're going in the dustbin. There's nothing else you can do with them, is there? They'd all so warmed up, but I I really fancied a cream cake yesterday. I mean, it's like you go into that donut place... Is it Krispy Kreme donut? Oh, my God. I mean, it's just... They do one with apple strudel in, and they chocolate, and jar and they go, this one's dipped in this one, and this one's... Hot. Oh, lummy. And you can buy a box of 13. They give you another load of 13. Oh, and it's just... I mean, Krispy Kreme donuts. You sit there looking at them thinking, I shouldn't have them, but the cinnamon apple is particularly good. And you look at them, and I, I saw sort of they perhaps I'll just have one. And they think, oh, oh it's quite nice, isn't it, really? And I, it just makes me ill feel <laughs> quite full on one i do like them though i do like it's very bad for you to have things like that but i mean if you if you stopped having everything what a miserable kind of world it would be wouldn't it be absolutely dreadful i'm afraid uh 84850 oh, steve at uk. have you ever been on the duck from Vauxhall? uh i thought it, uh, not from Vauxhall. this one goes in by the london eye i think there's a, a duck there this is this uh, amphibious vehicle. People sit and they go ooh, ooh, p- pointed it, and it's a big yellow thing, and it sort of trundles down the road, and then it goes into the Thames and floats around there for a while, and then you come out again. Kids love it. It's not cheap, but I'm told that the kids absolutely go crackers for it. I've never done it myself. I'm not really sure I could sit in an amphibious vehicle. I'm not sure it's, I'm, I'm an adult, you see, and I think it's really for for slightly younger people. Classic hits. Morning, everybody. Remember that oil tanker? Not an oil tanker, it was a Russian tanker that vanished in the channel. They went, oh, it's gone. They've now finally admitted they knew where it was all the time, but they were just keeping quiet because the Russians apparently have got their own way of, uh, of dealing with things like this. For that read, a bit frightening. And uh, good news is, two men... Have been arrested in connection with Britain's biggest ever jewellery robbery in Mayfair. They work really fast, the police, on this. Really, really fast. Good, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And the Japanese film, which has been banned, and the A-level results, and some people are going to be happy, and some people are going to be miserable. And The Marchioness. 20 years. I knew the DJ. Still know the DJ. It was the DJ the night The Marchioness went down. So we'll talk about that, and your texts and emails after the news, which is next. On FN News with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Eight minutes past six is the time. It's amazing. You've only got to mention Krispy Kreme donuts, and immediately the nation is divided on them. And people saying, "Oh, I can't stand them." And other people going, "Yum, yum, yum, yum." And then somebody writing in saying, "I work as the marketing manager for a large donut company and get free donuts whenever I like." That's David and Gambly. The job is like working in a sweet shop, isn't it? Uh, they always say if you work in a chocolate factory where they make chocolates, and they say, "Listen, eat as many as you like." Because guaranteed, at the end of the first week, they'll be getting a lot of chocolate. Thank you. Rather not have a chocolate. It's like, you know, you go out fruit picking, eat as many as you want, because believe you me, within about half an hour, you won't want to eat any more. There's a limit. There's a limit to uh, to how many of these things you can eat. Uh, Catherine says, all the leaseholders purchase the freehold of the block of flats I live in. Oh, well, then it would be up to them. You have to have, you have to have a, you know, somebody who is elected as managing director of the block and uh, somebody who, who looks after it. There'll be a couple of you and then you appoint a managing agent. It's the only way to do it, really. You don't want to do it yourself, because if somebody defaults when they're paying and people all of a sudden stop paying the money, which you need to run the block, consequently, you're going to need to call in somebody who can add a bit of weight to it. Just you going around knocking on the door isn't going to do it, I'm afraid, which is a shame. Um, Stevie says, I totally agree. I've never met a Krispy Kreme donut I don't like. I've had to ban myself, though, for the sake of my waistline. That's the tr- Why is it these things are fattening? Why is it some people can eat as many of these as they like and it doesn't affect them? Why is it some people can have chips and curry and, every, and you know, it's just ridiculous? Why is it like that? Terrible, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Ingrid says, there's a, a little song that goes, a little of what you fancy does you good. But how can you have a little of such delicious nosh? That's the trouble. I mean, you know, given the choice, we'd all have, you know, chips dipped in curry sauce... We'd have, you know, what would you have every... I'm trying to think what you'd have every day that wouldn't be good for you. I mean, just the usual rubbish, wouldn't it? Usual stuff, you know, like doughnuts, you know, kebabs, cupcakes with the cream on the top, you know, creamy cakes anyway with the cream squirted into the middle. I mean, all the chips, fish in batter, sausage in batter, and, I mean, just just all the sort of curries, pizza, all the stuff which they go, if you eat that, you're going to be fat. And you go, oh, know, but some people eat it and they don't get fat. And those are the people I hate. Don't you just hate it when you see someone? and they go, do you know, I've been trying to put on weight for years and I can't do it. And I'm thinking, oh, I hate you. I hate you. Because some of us have only got to look at a cream cake. And immediately the weight goes on. It's hilarious, really. It's hilarious. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, Craig says, "Krispy cream donuts. I can't stand them. You see, funny that, isn't it? Some people love them, some people don't. It's like some people like curry some people can't stand it. There used to be a place down the road from well, it's still there actually, and they do a lovely. It's a Chinese, lovely chicken curry. Oh, it's delicious. And they do crispy, chi- not crispy. What do they call it? Um, chicken uh, battered chicken, sweet and sour, sweet and sour chicken. <laughs> I chocolate not remember. What only they do it. They do a piece of chicken covered in batter and then cut into strips. Delicious. De- I mean, I can't tell you how nice it is. And they supply it with a little pot of that gunky red sauce, which is yummy, yum, yum. And you have that, and for some reason you put on weight. I remember going out once, years ago, haven't done it for ages, and I had this craving for crispy duck. And I bought a whole crispy duck. Well, it's not physically possible for one person to eat a whole crispy duck. But I had a blooming good go at it. I had a blooming good go. Didn't work, I'm afraid. 84850, oh, uk. So you've got to be careful with the candles now. And the Marchioness. 20 years, doesn't seem possible, 20 years ago... My friend Graham Meacham was a DJ on The Marchioness. I don't think he ever got over it. I don't think he ever got over it. I, in fact, did a, a benefit 20 years ago where we went down. We did one at the Hippodrome. We did one at uh, Brixton. Uh, and it was a benefit gig for The Marchioness. And I forget who I did it with it. It was a couple of girl groups and things like that. And that was ages and ages ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. So they'll be talking about that with Nick Ferrari after the news this morning. Also, we're celebrating Bryn's birthday. You remember Bryn couldn't remember the other day if it was his birthday yesterday or today. We think it's today. And that's why you'll be in celebratory mood, hopefully, in sunny France. And, strange enough, Tracy and family are going off to buy curtains. What else? So, uh, much love to you. From Tracy and Paul, Tim and Chloe, Josie and Cameron, the grandchildren. And, of course, from lovely Annie. And from me as well, and everybody who knows you, and Noreen. And you have a nice day. It doesn't matter whether you're 76 or 77. It's your birthday, and you can do whatever you want to today. So have a very, very happy birthday. Um, Norrie wants to you know if I bought anything else for Christmas. I haven't actually just yet, but it's not through lack of... I might this afternoon... I might have to go down and buy another carousel. Because I I gave one to my brother yesterday, and the bells, and he said the box is so big for the carousel, but when he opens it, he's going to discover that it's just kind of a normal size, it's just the packaging. But it looks delicious. I mean, it absolutely does look delicious. I absolutely love it. As you probably know already, the stress factor... uh, Sorry, fix factor. Sorry, X Factor, back on Saturday night, says Richard. I'm sure you'll be watching it avidly, as many more songs are put to death. I certainly will... I certainly will. I will be... I mean, I will be watching it. I'm trying to think... It depends what time it is. But I, I have to watch it, because you know, for the first two weeks, it'll be all the balmies. All the way... Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think what songs I couldn't actually go into. I was, every time I think of a song, I think of Jordan singing, A whole new world! There's a story about Jordan in the paper today. George says, it's been 55 minutes and you've only just mentioned Jordan. It's a record, isn't it, really? It's only because she, um... She, according to one of the papers, had a foul mouth rant when she was reversing that disgusting pink blancmange of a horse wagon. How embarrassing to be a horse in a pink wagon, but anyway. And um, she apparently, somebody said, can I have your autograph? And she let fly with a torrent of abuse. And then she refused to turn up for a signing the other day in Bournemouth. I said she'd go to the dentist. So she didn't really care that much, I suppose. And Jason says, will you stop going on about fattening food? I'm on a diet. You're not helping. Doesn't matter, though, does it? i tell you what I could eat now. I could eat two sausages. I might have to go to Stella's later. Two sausages, some fried bread, two eggs and some beans and two rashers of bacon. That would kind of sort me. It's the fried bread, though, with the egg on top of it. I don't know what it is. The combination of a piece of sausage. If you're vegetarian, I do apologise, but kind of tough. Uh, You're the one who's missing out. And you have the sausage and a bit of egg and a bit of fried bread. Delicious. I mean, just delicious. Absolutely lovely, lovely, lovely. With Nick Ferrari this morning... Digby Jones, who is a lord now, British businessman and former trade and investment minister. He'll be doing the uh, papers. Uh, Is Patrick Cormack living on planet Zog? Yes, says John Mann, Labour MP for Hayes and Harlington. No, says Pete Hoskin, the online editor of The Spectator. Afghanistan, they'll have an update there. Why do we turn to violence so quickly in Britain? Stories already we've highlighted this morning of um, just horrendous things, horrendous things. The A-level results... With a student who's studying English law and sociology, mm. they, what happens if you open them live on air? On, you know when they do them on television as well. And they open, you, you think, I'm just supposing it's an absolute disaster, you can have to sell them with your friends and go, "Oh look, two Cs." Really happy, really happy, not. <laughs> and uh, they'll be talking to uh, Odette Penwarden, a survivor from the Marchioness, about the twentieth anniversary. That's all with uh, Nick Ferrari this morning after the news at seven o'clock. Quickly, let's find some more stories. Oh, we'll do some more stories in the papers in a moment. It's very difficult to find anything that uh, that is sort of light-hearted, apart from, and Bill Buckley did it, uh, an Agatha Christie uh, mystery. They've now found a lost one. It's her lost Poirot story, and it's revealed today in the papers. Sixteen minutes past six. Double check on the headlines with Katie Radley. Thank you, the victims of the... 97.3... 6.18, have you tried duck with hoisin sauce wrap from Waitrose? Oh, sounds delightful, doesn't it? And Stevie says, I had no idea you knew Graham Meacham. I've known him for around 15 years, and you're right. don't think he ever got over it. And John says, do you remember Dunkin' Donuts? They were lovely as well. Anything that's got the word donut in the title, I'm afraid, is a winner to me. Later on, they're going to be talking about Castor Semanya, who is 18, and they're saying, is this golden girl all that she seems? In other words, what they're saying is... Could she be disqualified because she's a man? They're going to have various tests later on. I have to be honest, a lot of female athletes look fairly butch anyway. I mean, you've only got to see female bodybuilders to realise that many of these people, I mean, they end up taking on the characteristics because they push themselves to the limit. I have no idea whether or not this woman is a man I mean, just because she's got muscles and things like that, does that immediately make people think, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, are you a man or are you not a man? But way, if it's a man, it's quite an effeminate man. If it's a woman, it's a fairly butch woman. So it's, er... Uh... But also, where does it go? Anyway, another story, which I'm sure they'll be dealing with later. Roger Foss, head man in the theatre. Morning, Roger.
2: Good morning, Steve. Oh, I'm all gender confused after all oh,
0: that. Oh, I tell you, I'm gender... I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is it transgender, post-op, transsexual? Is it... Is it transvestite? Yes. I mean, wh- who knows?
2: I know, and I saw the picture of that, that uh, athlete with what one paper called thunder thighs, and I thought that was a great
0: description. Yeah, but she's an athlete. I mean, well... I've got thunder thighs as well. Have you? I'm not an athlete, it has to be said. <laughs> oh, well,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> Nor could That's I ever be. It's Lightning.
0: Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Grease, <laughs> lightning. Right, so we're we we going to open-air theatre, are we, first? We're we
2: going outdoors, yeah, because, you know, there's no big West End openings at the moment. But nevertheless, even though it's now getting darker early, you know, the sun's setting now, what, around about 8.30? And, uh, it's still well worth going outdoors to theatre. And we know about Regent's Park Open Air Theatre because we were talking about that. Hello, Dolly, at the moment, which yes. is absolutely fantastic. But there's also free open air theatre in London at the moment and, and, uh, all on the South Bank. So there's a theatre or an open air theatre next to Boris Johnson's home. You know, the, uh, the mayor's office city hall yes Next uh, to that is the area called more london and there's a an amphitheater called the scoop and they're doing free theater and it's absolutely fantastic they're doing the adventures of jason and the argonauts for kids at six o'clock and Medea at eight o'clock for older audiences now this is ancient drama you know greek tragedy or mm. greek greek comedy And yet, somehow or other, it completely, completely absorbed. I was with an audience, you know, very mixed, people just calling in, because, you know, on the South Bank there you get loads of tourists, so people from all nationalities there watching this. And it was really, I thought, absolutely superb, and especially the big Greek tragedy, Medea, which is full of violence and scandal and a celebrity marriage going wrong and a royal family committing murder and kids being killed and goodness no i mean it's just like reading the sun almost mm. you know but nevertheless it, it really i thought was really superb and you're sitting there in the open air and and that in itself creates a bit of magic doesn't it even though mm. you get the odd helicopter overhead and a few pigeons flying around and stuff like that and uh, of course at the <laughs> school <for> <laughs> you've got yes i know you've got you've got tower bridge just behind you so it really is quite something and then further along down by the National Theatre, just outside, they are running open-air, free open-air theatre, all the su- all this summer. Uh, and it's called Watch This Space. And it's the space outside, you know, the main entrance, just by the riverside there at the National Theatre. Yes, theater. yes. And they do all kinds of, I suppose, what you might call street theatre. So, but nevertheless, mm. sometimes it's music. Uh, sometimes it's even late night stuff. They're doing a, a kind of late night musical bingo, which I thought was hilarious. Ooh, which it's, yes, it's songs instead of numbers. <laughs> but tomorrow uh, at the, uh, at, the um, at the outside the national, I think this is going to be great because it's prudential retirement day. So it's not actually <laughs> free theatre as such, but it's a free, free smooth Sinatra sounds at one o'clock from uh, a guy called Richard Shelton, who I don't know, but nevertheless. He's doing Sinatra. And then at three o'clock, it's a tea dance. A tea dance in the open air uh, outside the National Theatre. What a lovely idea. I thought, oh, what a great idea. Mm. You know, you trip the light fantastic with a free cup of tea or coffee. Yeah. And and it's free on production of your Freedom Pass. So <laughs> three o'clock tomorrow outside the National Theatre. But either, either further along, still along the on South Bank, of course, it's Shakespeare's Globe where... Um, I mean, some fantastic stuff going on there at the moment. And all, that's not completely open air, but it's semi-open air, isn't it? Yes, and
3: yes. So
2: this uh, summer, this week, Romeo and Juliet finishes this weekend, but Troilus and Cressida's on with Matthew Kelly. Yes. I like it. I mean, Matthew Kelly, absolutely fantastic in this production. Yeah. And, of course, Shakespeare's Globe, you can go to the uh, Shakespeare's Globe <sighs> exhibition and tour, which I think is very good value. That's not free, of course. Is 10 quid, but you get two pounds off your theatre ticket as well. But you go around underneath the Globe, and it kind of explains about the world that Shakespeare lived in, especially in London, Mm. and uh, what the Globe was about at that time. But this summer, throughout the the, uh, exhibition period, they're doing live dressing demonstrations so you can find out how the actors transformed themselves in Shakespearean days into heroines. Because you forget that, you know... But Juliet was played by a bloke.
0: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> quite, I don't know, I never knew, quite knew the reason for that. What was the reason?
2: Well, I don't know, I suppose. It was just the convention, really, wasn't it? I mean, women were supposed to stay at home and look after the kids, I presume. So, in other words, um, all the
0: productions were all men. They didn't have women in the productions?
2: No, they were all male productions. Oh. So, you know, there was a whole kind of uh, group of actors who specialised in playing the female roles. <laughs> and we've, since then, of course, had uh, all-male productions of... Shakespeare, uh, as you like it, and so on, you know, because they they all involve gender-bending, don't they? A bit like some of these athletes. They all involve... You can't get away from it.
0: It'll be happening round here next.
2: Um, Well, yes, be careful. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's
2: all I can say. I'm having a close look
0: at Anne Whittacombe later on, let me tell you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Whitty, I'm the... Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, where else are we off to? We were doing that, and what was the other one?
2: Well, yeah, so Shakespeare's Globe, the National Theatre, yeah. and the Scoop all on the South Bank, and the National Theatre, outside the National Theatre, free, the Scoop is free, Shakespeare's Globe isn't free, of course, No. and Regent's Park Open Air Theatre, so it's really getting out into the open air, and uh, sitting out there as the sun sets, and as the stars come out, and the moon shining, <laughs> and it couldn't be more magical, really, except that when, you know, as I say, the odd pigeon flies over, or something like that and uh, (laughs) you get the odd gnat or little insect crawling around but nevertheless I think um, London's got some great spaces for open air theatre and Mm. especially that scoop area by because I've not really been down there that much I don't necessarily go that way and I was surprised how it's become a magnet for visitors to London it's absolutely heaving along there by Tower Bridge going along towards uh, the well going on right along really to the London Eye. Yeah. It's good. Absolutely packed with people.
0: It's nice. It's so I'm it's glad it's turned into an area because people should get out. As long as they do some walking, they do, you know, some wandering about, that's good news.
2: Well yes, that's right, and I shall be down there tomorrow doing the doing the tea dance with the
0: Charleston <laughs> with the <tea> chasers. Dance. <laughs> <laughs> this I'd pay money to see. I'd pay money to see. Alright, so uh next week same time. Okay, Steve, yes, see you then. Look forward to it. Thanks for that very much indeed. Bye. Bye. Roger Foss, our man in the front stalls. Actually, the, the reviews for Hello Dolly at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre, fantastic. They've really said it was great, and Roger said it was great, first of all. And then somebody said there was another there was another big musical, but it, was, but it was playing in a little place, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, Richie says, never mind battered chicken, you want to try butter chicken. Now, butter butter chicken you get in Indian restaurants, don't you? And I can't remember... Whether or not I've had butter chicken before, I used to have the same thing all the time: chicken tikka masala, mushroom bajji, <laughs> some poppadoms. I did. Sorry, no, I didn't have naan. I thought naan were a bit were a bit naff. Actually, you like naan? Do you have keema naan or not? Oh, peshwari naan? Okay, because you can buy them in Marks and Spencers, which I think are just as authentic. I'm sure they're made in the same sort of places. Because I don't, I don't think they make these things. I, oft, I was fascinated. I opened an Indian restaurant once. Strangely. Many years ago, they booked me to open an Indian restaurant off Tottenham Court Road. And we got there, they were still putting the finishing touches to it. And I'd never seen a tandoori oven. And I didn't realise that they just stick the stuff to the side of the walls of the tandoori. And that was it. And then other things just going, it's really fantastic. But uh, kind of reaffirmed my uh, my commitment to Indian food. As long as it doesn't have... Too much, um, sauce over it. So chicken teak is a bit better than the, uh, than the masala. Uh, Steve, says Susan, eventually, joining up to podcast. Good, good, good. I'm off today to Port Lim and Howlitz to see our adopted gorilla and my son's African hunting dog, whose name I can't pronounce. <laughs> I had to join up to the podcast just in case I missed you. We shall send you a post. You'll love Port Lim. They've got the most amazing gorillas down there. I mean, they really have. They're fantastic. You could sit and watch them forever and ever and ever. So it's. Uh, I've been down there. I fed the gorillas. Jason says, I'm reading a brilliant weight loss book called Lose Weight or Get Tough. It's by this guy and it's about mental toughness and the difference between the way fit and fat people think. Paul's No Punches says, if you're fat, it's your fault. It's caused some controversy in America, but I found it very helpful. Oh, I've always said that. You see people standing in chip shops, you know, and they've just, uh, uh, I'll have a portion of chips and a uh, uh, large cod with that in batter, I want a sausage of batter to go. And you think, and that's why you're fat. Because it's, it's the fat that the uh, that the chips are cooked in. You can't tell, I think chip shops should should tell people, excuse me, you're too fat to have fish and chips. Go away, go away. Kind of a kebab or something like that. And uh, Joyce had a custard donut yesterday. Bought five, got five free. How did, a custard donut. How did, oh, I tell you. All this talk of food this morning. But I think the cooked breakfast is quite good. Just around here they do, um... They do um, scrambled egg in the morning, but I don't think it's proper scrambled egg. I think it's powdered scrambled egg. Uh, I know you might think, that, oh, but we used to have powdered scrambled egg before. And when it comes out, you just do it in the microwave. You mix it with water, I think. It goes in the microwave, and out comes egg. And they do it with crispy bacon on the top. And there's something about crispy bacon. There used to be a sandwich shop in Fleet Street years ago, and they used to do crispy bacon on top of their their bread Sam, Oh, delicious. Absol- I became addicted to crispy bacon. Sorry all this talk of breakfast. It's a bit early, isn't it? News next. LBC ninety seven. Exclusions and conditions apply. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC ninety seven point three. Morning, everybody. The time now six thirty. Ninety seven point three. Sports news. Sports editor Phil Blacker.
3: Thanks, Steve. Good morning. It was a, a dramatic night in the Premier League. Tottenham going to the top of the early season table with their biggest away win for eleven years. But Manchester United beaten at Burnley. Jermaine Defoe scored a hat-trick for Spurs in a 5-1 thumping of Hull City at the KC Stadium. Manager Harry Redknapp left drooling over his side's display that makes it two wins from two so far. Marvellous all-round team performance in the football, the slickness of our football, inter-passing, and the movement was top class and the finishing. But the champions were stunned in their first top-flight match at Turf Moor for 33 years. Robbie Blake scored the only goal to inflict a shock defeat onto Alex Ferguson's United. It's a bad
2: ball and I know that everyone will say, well, Whenever good at the start of the season, we always would
0: take our time, and usually will be October we start to get really going. But nonetheless, we shouldn't be losing these games. You've got to give credit to Burnley; it's a great night for them. Their fans were absolutely fantastic.
3: Now, of course, Liverpool beating Spurs in the op- on the opening day, they got off the mark last night. They thumped Stoke City four 0 whilst the disputed late penalty saw Birmingham beat Portsmouth 1-0. The deciding Ashes test gets underway at the Oval this morning. England and Australia level at 1-0 going into this final match, but England needing the win to regain the Ashes, as holders a draw would do for the Aussies. The teams will be confirmed just before the start of play, but we already know the England batting lineup, with Jonathan Trott coming in for a high-pressure test debut. Captain Andrew Strauss, though, is sure he'll be able to handle the occasion.
1: He's in great form at the moment. Um... And, you know, I remember when I made my debut, I, was, I felt in brilliant form. And that carries you a huge, huge distance when you're, you're stepping into the unknown.
3: Freddie Frontoff, on the other hand, playing his last test match before retiring. He's fit to return to the side after missing the defeat at Headingley last time out. Andy Murray meets Radek Stepanek next at the uh, Cincinnati Masters. The World number 2 opened the defence of his title with a 7-6-6 2 win over Spain's Nicolas Almagro last night. Usain Bolt has the chance to claim a sprint double at the World Athletics Championships later. He goes in the final of the 200 metres, looking to add to his 100-metre title. Meanwhile, Britain now have three medals because Jenny Meadows won a bronze in the 800 metres last night. The race was won by uh, Castus Semenya, the South African teenager who's been ordered to have a gender test and could be stripped of that goal medal if she's found to uh, to be a man and it's ladies day at york where the Ebor festival continues they also go out to stratford and lingfield and then tonight at chepstow epsom and fontwell all
0: right still no winners says alex no is it, or is it alexander who knows <laughs> we're all cross-gender today everybody <laughs> phyllis black is with us as well uh, no winners no race i mean yesterday you had many rivers to cross sixth Mm. I Lost two pound, fifty-four pound seventy-four. Uh, singer fourth for Alex, thirty-two pound twenty-seven. So today we're off to York. Yep. The two fifty, acrostic. Okay.
3: Acrostic. I've decided to leave York today because it's just not been happening for it's me just there. Terrible, isn't it? well, it's terrible. Well, I know it's all round. I know it's my home track, but it's not been happening. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: Was that your home? Is that your your manor?
3: Mm, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: you're from York.
3: Just a little village just outside. Yeah.
0: Good lord. Don't tell us where people will be going. <laughs> making the train, There'll be coach trips going up there. You know, knocking on your parents' door. Hello, does Phil live here? <laughs> It'll be a nightmare.
3: Mm, better not go there. Let's not go there. All right. Um, so I'm going to go to Chepstow instead tonight for the racing. Mm-hmm. Seven forty. Tony the Tap.
0: Tony the Tap. Yeah. Ooh, right, Tony the Tap. One hot, one cold. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. So Tony the Tap, and uh, so we have a winner of two fifty at York Acrostic for Alex as well.
3: Okay. Good we'll get luck. those on the website.
0: Wh- when are we going to get the results of this uh, this test on this? female run i've looked at the pictures to be honest i mean i thought most people in sport look fairly butch anyway don't they Mm. i mean it's 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 one of those things and and female runners do tend to look a little bit manly i mean don't see some of them running some of them can look quite manly on the other hand i've seen female bodybuilders who look very manly Mm. but i think they actually that's kind of understandable well they actually take all sorts of things oh yeah and then paint themselves in this woad, this sort of horrible brown colour. But I mean, I've seen many of them where they do look like blokes. Mm. And I, th- I don't know if it's the steroids they take or things like that. But runners are just fairly athletic. I mean, I, I myself look like a gazelle on the racetrack. Well, of course. Admittedly, a gazelle had just been brought down by a pack of lions. <laughs> but I mean, the thought was there. But this one, so they have to go through. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's not quite old
3: <laughs> Well, you, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? But they're saying that the really, really complicated test that they have to do, and it's going to take weeks for them to get the results
0: just ask for a birth certificate and she's
3: fairly sure that she's a woman but she's she always thought she was but she's not, well, you mean she's not sure it sounds
0: like it. Would well, you kind of know wouldn't you yeah, know. When you you know when you go to toilet you think you might have a clue you, well kind of i mean i'm assuming <laughs> that you'd have a clue it's I mean, such some a, people bizarre are... Isn't it a strange story i mean
3: she as i say she he won the uh won the gold last night and then they didn't allow her to speak afterwards why it was a, it was a because they thought it might be a little bit too much, and she was just... <laughs> she was I
1: know. And she's still a teenager,
3: <laughs> apparently. So yeah. Anyway, she, they didn't think she'd be up to facing the, uh, the barrage of questions. Has that... it
0: never cropped up before, then? I mean, has nobody ever mentioned before? Well, she's the... quite
3: new on the scene. Um, oh, right. She, you know, she's not been regular. Uh, apparently they've... She's not uh... been regular? <laughs> well, that Lord, be even worse. <laughs> not been a regular on the scene. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, they apparently asked for these tests to be done uh, three weeks ago, and it's only mm. now that she's won the gold, obviously, yesterday. So
0: is she not allowed to compete in the women's races if she turns out to be a man?
3: Not if she's a man, no.
0: Right. I only ask that because, strange though it might seem, I remember watching the uh, marathon a few years ago, the Mm. one through London, and one of the blokes who won the wheelchair race wasn't disabled. And apparently anybody can enter the wheelchair race, provided you can turn the wheels. You don't have to be disabled. I suppose that makes sense. So why should it make any difference? I mean, isn't that discrimination? Well, she's
3: running against women, and it's a women's event. If she's a man, she should be in the men's event.
0: Yeah, but she might not be good enough to be in the men's well, events. But, in fact, she could be good enough to be in the women's events. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I think people should be allowed to take everything for racing. As many... Yeah, because then we could have the drug Olympics. It'd make it so much easier, wouldn't <laughs> what? it? You know, then first one who runs, you know, round the world or something. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's going to take a long time to do this. I mm. don't understand. No, I, I'm not
3: quite sure why.
0: You just go and you get a a test up well i don't know if it's going to take a long time you just ask it's so a very off.
3: complicated procedure is what they've said yeah i'm not sure why
0: well i don't know why either but the trouble is with us phil you see we all see the good in everybody it's too simplistic mm. for us it is we just think pull them down okay you're <laughs> a man all right no more clues <laughs> That little thing waving in front of you <laughs> <laughs> makes you a man. Anyway, all right, we'll find out. So we're not going to know any time soon, are um, we? Not imminently, I no. don't think, no. Okay. Lovely to see you as always. Thank you. Still waiting to see the uh, images of you up on the website. Mm. Not there yet.
3: No, I know. Andy Hayes still working on it. Is he still? No, don't know what he's doing. What's
0: he doing? A sort of an inch a day or something? <laughs> Bless his heart. We shall find out later. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, see you then. Thank you very much indeed. Coming back, The uh, X Factor this Saturday... Uh, and what you're going to see is an awful lot of people uh, coming back again. You're going to see the same people. For example, Dwayne Lamont and Ricky Loney both featured in the uh, 2008 series and they've sailed through this year's pre-recorded auditions. I mean, it makes there must be either running out of people because if they didn't get through last year they're not going to improve, are they, by this year. Mr Lamont, who was a close friend of Leona Lewis has appeared in Daddy Cool but was sent home by Simon Cowell. Mr Loney... Uh, initially made it as far as the mentoring stage last year until Cowell changed his mind and then swapped him for somebody else. But they're back in again. And to be honest with you, I think once you've seen them once, we don't want to see them again. That's it. Although they're now going to have a psychologist there. Somebody assessing, you know, whether or not these people are mentally able. I don't think any of them are. I don't think any of them are. I think it's it's this... this ab- this inability we have in this country to accept the fact you're not very good. If somebody tells you you're not very good, generally speaking, they're the expert, and they're the ones saying, listen, you're not very good, I'm terribly sorry, it's, it's not going to happen. There's also a woman in the Daily Mail today who tells you why she steals other women's husbands. I don't know why she would uh, tell you that. But she does. More on poor old Duncan Bannatyne. his little naughty French secret, which is the fact that uh, far from holidaying in this country, he holidays on the Côte d'Azur, where he has a villa. So that's good here. And standing room only, it's uh, a little boy called Tiger Brewer. He's actually called Tiger. You can really believe that people call their children Tiger? That's not normal, is it? Anyway, he uh, is the first one to wing walk at the age of eight. This is where they strap you into a chair, and they stick a pair of goggles on you, and uh, you don't actually walk the thing, you just stand there rigid, because you can't actually go anywhere. You go, like, ooh, can't move. The wind blowing in your face and all the rest of it. But he's eight, but he's called Tiger Brewer. Uh, previously, the record was held by Guy Mason. He wing, he's the son of the Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason, incidentally. He wing walked in 2001, age 11, Apparently, Tiger, who comes from Notting, Tiger. I mean, I really can't believe that parents would him Tiger. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, does it? But he comes from a family of daredevils. Must have. He lives in Notting Hill. I've been round Notting Hill. You've got to be fairly daredevil to live around there. So, Tiger. I can't get over Tiger. I've never heard anybody called Tiger before. Uh, Pied- oh yes, Tiger. Oh, Tiger Lily. That was a woman, though, wasn't it? Tiger Lily and Peter Pan. Wasn't it a woman? Yes. I think so. And she lived on an island. And it was all just pretend. This is actually a little boy who lives up the road. Called Tiger. Ridiculous, isn't it? Actually, uh, we found men pretending to be girls in uh, 1936 Nazi Germany. We've been sent a, a link on that. Apparently, it's, it's, it's quite normal. I think we need to check the travel department here. I mean, some of them are looking quite uh, quite suspect. And, in fact, there was a very famous person. Do you remember? I keep repeating this story because it fascinated me. But there was a woman who was married to this guy. And he was a jazz musician. And... When he eventually died, they had children, they, they adopted children, and he died. And so this woman phones up the funeral home. True story, you can check it out on the internet. And, uh, and she said, I'd like to come and see my husband. Oh, he's Tiger Woods. Oh, never thought about that one. Anyway, uh, yeah, so she said, can I come and see my husband? And they went, we've got something to tell you. And she said, what? They said, he's a woman. And she went, sorry? And they went, your husband is a woman. When they'd done the... Uh, the laying out. And it's a very it's a very famous story. Although to be honest with you, looking at the pictures on the album cover, how you how you never realised it wasn't a woman, I've got no idea. And it turned out that during a certain period in American history, women couldn't get jobs working in jazz clubs as musicians. So this woman dressed up as a man, slicked her hair back, worked as a as a jazz musician, very successful, very successful. And then consequently, married this woman. How you get away with it, I've got no idea. And the reason they never had their own children is because she said e strokes she, said uh, because of a war wound, nothing could uh, happen. So they adopted children. So up until the day that she died, the family had no idea that, in fact, the person that they thought was their father was, in fact, a woman. And it made headlines all over the world. So it comes as no surprise to me that I need to look very carefully at LBC's travel department, Uh, (laughs) just in case. Hugh Broom could be, could be called something completely different. Phyllis Broom or something like that. Could be anything, couldn't it, really? <laughs> right. And incidentally, parents living with teenagers may not be surprised the latest insight into their offspring's hygiene habits. They are finally, finally using deodorant. Whoopee! It's good news, isn't it? It's only taken them a long, long time, but we get round to it eventually. Quarter to seven. <laughs> news headlines this morning, and uh, with you today, reading the headlines, is Katie Radley.
2: Thank you. A series of...
0: Ser- Morning, everybody. 10 to 7 is the time. It's LBC. at Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. We found somebody else. This is Hermann Dora Ratjen, who was born in 1918, who was a German athlete who disguised himself as a female in order to compete on behalf of Nazi Germany in the Olympic Games. Well, I'm looking at a picture of Hermann Dora Ratjen, and I have to tell you, it just looks like a bloke with slightly longer hair. doesn't look at all... Um, at all genuine. It's on Wikipedia, so in fact it might just be made up, I'm afraid. But uh, Ratchen was discovered on his way back from the European Championships at a train station in Germany. Although he was wearing a skirt, two women spotted him with five o'clock shadow. Bit of a giveaway there. A doctor was summoned and his sex revealed. He never competed in athletic events ever again. In 57, he came forward and said she was actually male with ambiguous genitalia and was forced by the Nazis to disguise himself as a woman for the sake and honour and the glory of Germany. He then stated, for three years I lived the life of a girl. It was most dull. At the time, Ratchen worked as a waiter in Hamburg and Bremen. Little is known of life after that. But I'm looking at the picture. It just looks like a bloke. Doesn't look like a woman at all, does it? I mean, poor old Herman Dora Ratjen. It's just most peculiar. As I say, it's on Wikipedia, so you have to take most of that stuff with a pinch of salt, I'm afraid, as we've uh, discovered over the years. There's also a uh, um, dreadful story in the uh, papers today about uh, some yobs, who were on a train, and uh, this is uh, a train from Hastings to London on July the 19th. This woman uh, was attacked. She was a Swedish woman. They set fire to her hair. Not the first time it's happened. Uh, As the teacher was walking through, one of the youths held out a lighter and touched her hair. It immediately burst into flames, and she didn't realise until her pupils began screaming. Luckily, luckily, British Transport Police, because all the trains have got cameras all over the place, and the four thick thugs who uh, did this, are pictured in the paper today. And they want names. Well, to be honest with you, they won't be too difficult to uh, find at all. So let's hope prison beckons for these four nasty little pieces of work. Not the first time it's happened, there was one man. Luke Kennedy. His beard and hair were set on fire by yobbs as he travelled from Brighton to Littlehampton in West Sussex on December the 7th last year. At least they catch these people. But the four pictures you'll find in all the papers today of these yobbs won't take long to find you, boys. Your days are numbered. And they look forward to seeing pretty little things like you in prison. Take my word for it. Eight minutes to seven. Duncan says the late uh, dockyard Doris used to have a good gag about why she was so overweight. It was all down to problems with her feet. They just won't stay out the fish and chip shops. That's the excuse nowadays. (laughs) Oh, dear. What about crispy smoked bacon and crusty bread with lots of HP sauce? Not sure about that. Not sure about... Yeah, I don't mind crusty bread. I'm not sure about HP sauce. Not a big fan of HP sauce, I'm afraid. There's a model in the paper today. Uh, She's uh, Muslim. Uh, Her name is uh, Kartika Sari Dewi Shikano. She'll become the first woman in Malaysia to face the punishment imposed under Islamic law. The 32-year-old Muslim will face six slashes with a rattan cane next week, caught drinking alcohol during a raid on a hotel nightclub. I'm led to believe... In fact, I know for a fact, actually, that there are lots of places where Muslims go and drink in London. Lots of young Muslims go and drink, and they're they're kept fairly secret. In fact, it was only a short while ago, there was a feature in one of the papers on uh, Muslims in India who have drink delivered. You know, it's all a little bit under the counter. It turns up in a brown paper bag kind of thing. But loads of people do it. Just that, unfortunately, she was doing it in a public place. And that's why, if you go to do it, you do it, um, I'm afraid, secretly. It's, uh, it's it's an awful lot easier, so she will be the, the first person. I mean, most Malaysian clubs and lounges serve alcohol and are not legally required to check if customers are Muslim before, search, before, uh, before actually serving them. So dreadful, really, isn't it? People denied sort of things that they probably want to do, but if that's what somebody wants to do. Makes you wonder, why would you want to be a Muslim if you can't drink and yet you want to drink? Doesn't make too much sense. Shorts are in. Latest fashion craze everywhere, shorts. Shorts for men, shorts for women... In fact, we saw some girls the other day wearing shorts. They were tiny shorts. Tiny shorts. I'm not too sure about, yes, perhaps they're just knickers, but I'm not sure if shorts, shorts are meant to be that skimpy. And uh, the, the latest trend is to wear these very tight shorts with a little, little sort of blues on thing. What's the matter now? What's the matter? I know in Essex they've been doing that for years, but there's a name for people like that. This is normal people walking around. Wearing these little shorts with like a little blouse top. And sometimes the little blouse top is sometimes bigger than the shorts. And it actually comes to the end of the shorts. I know there are probably certain people in this building getting a bit excited about the fact that we've mentioned fairly tight shorts cut high up on the thigh. And uh, with a little top on at the top. And some people even have this rather strange... I haven't actually noticed it myself too much. It's where you sort of wear a jumper, but you've got one shoulder off. It's most bizarre. I've I've never seen that before. Uh, Daily Mirror today... They're offering tickets to go to The X Factor. It will be watched because we've been starved of dreadful television. Well, we had Sarah Ferguson, but now we've got The X Factor to look forward to. And for the first few weeks, it's going to be car crash television. You're going to see tantrums, people throwing things, people shouting, people threatening violence. It's going to be very interesting, actually. Just another night in Kerry Katona's house, I should imagine. Some this morning, they reckon that Michael Jackson's personal physician will be charged with manslaughter within the next two weeks. I still find it difficult to believe that they've not uh, not buried poor old Michael. And Prince Andrew has played so much golf, he's now eligible to turn pro. Not actually done much else, has he, apart from flying around at our expense? And uh, Prince William went into a pub and suddenly said to him, you're Prince William. And he said, no, 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 he said, a lot of people think that. But the trouble is, because he kind of sounds okay, you you know, it's kind of, you can't really get away with it, because he, he he doesn't do like Bermondsey, you know, nothing like that, you know, doesn't talk like that. He sort of, uh, you know, uh, it's, and also the fact he was drinking a gin and tonic with a cherry in it kind of gives it away, you know, because all the other people around there, if you drink a gin and tonic, you're branded straight away, aren't you? Can I have a gin and tonic? Yeah, mate, I don't think so. Not in this bar. So he, he did try and get away with it. A source said he was very polite. We were amazed he was in our local. He doesn't go out, you know. He's not, uh, ooh, cool. Hey, Top Gun. I like that. Sunglasses. Very cool, the first thing in the morning. Actually, I love these people who come out of nightclubs with their sunglasses on. They must be walking into walls constantly. Because, frankly, I can't walk around with sunglasses on at all. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, As I say, uh, Vic Beckham came back in town the other day, Strange enough, uh, clutching a teddy bear wearing ridiculously high shoes and a silly hat with a zip on it. It is quite ridiculous, actually. Uh, Terry Christian is doing a column in The Sun today. Talking about the football season and talking about a group of teenagers lounging around outside a garage drinking cheap supermarket lager and smoking fags. I sighed and thought how different it was in the summer 30 years ago. When I was their age, we'd all be in the club or pub trying to chat up girls and scraping together the money together for another round. Things have changed over the years. And he says, I'm not... One for that Guy Ritchie type, mock neagulation adulation of old villains. But to be fair to Ronnie Biggs, he served his time, and for him to be allowed out doesn't cause me any offence. Well, the trouble is, Terry, he didn't serve his time. He ran abroad like a big girl's blouse, and now he's in... wherever he is, but uh, at the ratepayers of Barnet's expense, I think. Can't remember the name of the, the uh, place. And they're all saying, because Peter Andre has backed England's ashes, talisman Freddie Flintoff, by copying the famous victory pose. It's great that they now get Peter Andre for, um... Sort of just poses, I'm afraid. Is it bank holiday? Shortly? When's that coming up? Is that the end of the month or before? I don't know. End of the month, is it? Oh, that's all right. Thank goodness for that. Got a bit worried. And please let your listeners know, says lovely Pat, about the wonderful Countess of Warwick show uh, on the 30th and 31st of August near to Dunmo in Essex. Details on countessofwarwickshow.org. Many stalls and events, including one raising funds for Labrador Rescue, super for all the family. And uh, you'll love it, she says. They also have an exhibition of vintage and classic cars and a chance to have a ride in a Rolls-Royce. Good for you, Pat. Nice to hear from you. You haven't contacted the boys at Hanworth, so They're getting a bit worried about you. Uh, I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to podcast the programme. If you don't know about podcast, go check it out. Check it out on lbc.co.uk. Read the blog and keep up to date with everything. Widdy's here with ten o'clock's talks. <laughs> Something I was going to say after that. I can tell you it's Nick Ferrari after the news, which is next on LBC. These days.